0: Powered by the Constitution, strengthened by the Bill of Rights, the American citizen was bestowed with the power and responsibility of civic engagement. Today, your voice is needed now more than ever, yet barriers stand in the way. How to start, where to begin, it can be confusing and overwhelming. We're here to help you take that leap, breaking down those barriers, providing you with the tools and knowledge to take on civics undaunted. Today, I'm excited to welcome Sarah Suggs to the show. Sarah is a third-generation Arizonan whose extensive career has taken her to the East and West Coasts before returning to her native state in 2001. She has served as an executive for Pivotal Group, a private equity and real estate investment firm, KSL, a KKR, Kohlberg, Kravis, and Roberts company, and as executive director of the National Women's Hall of Fame in New York, which recognizes and celebrates the achievements of extraordinary American Women, a community volunteer since the age of 12, Miss Suggs has held several leadership positions, including Phoenix Heart Ball Chairman, Arizona Science Center Gala Chairman, Women's Board of the Barrow Neurological Foundation, a founder of Phoenix Children's Hospital Leadership Circle, and past president of Charter 100, whose purpose is to recognize outstanding women in the community and provide a forum for their interaction. Honorary members include former Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor and former Arizona Governors Rose Mofford, Jan D. Hall, and Janet Napolitano She's here today to talk about civic engagement and incorporating civics into your everyday life. Sarah, welcome to Civics Undaunted.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: You are most welcome. I'm so honored to have you here, and I know I kind of gave a brief bio for you, but I always like to lead off and let you tell a little bit about yourself and what got you into civic engagement, civic education work.
1: Mm. Well, in part, it's my own experience starting uh, at a pretty young age, I guess 12, maybe even before that, because my mother was a, a volunteer and I have a brother who is deaf and so she became very involved in causes with children born deaf and uh, hard of hearing. And so she would drag me along, and I uh, to you know go door to door, what you know help out with uh, uh, camp for uh, kids of uh, hard of hearing children in the summer. And it just it's just a bug. And I think you, you know, you either, it speaks to you and you like it and it's fulfilling and purposeful. And for me, I really did find it to be that way as, because it impacted me and my family. And I went on to learn sign language and, and I thank my mother for that. So she was my example. And uh, then I met, you meet like-minded people, you know, whether it's for a particular cause or other causes. I think there's a, uh, a vibe, if you will, or a wavelength or something that speaks to people who want to help out other, other individuals or projects.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I definitely have noticed that with my own work the past five, 10 years is once you kind of connect with those people, it just kind of proliferates and snowballs into meeting other people. And then all of a sudden you're surrounded by a bunch of change makers. So it's really powerful. That's right.
1: It is powerful.
0: So our first question is always, "What does civic engagement mean to you?"
1: Ah, oh, well, I guess uh, it means participating in something that matters to you and your surroundings, and it doesn't mean you have to march down to city hall and and you know ask for lower taxes or what have you. It it just means looking around and observing, and when you observe an area that needs improvement, needs help, uh, calls for help. Um, Find something that appeals to you and speaks to you, and there are so many areas of civic engagement um, that you can, that need help, and whether it's sports, uh, whether it's music and culture or uh, science, uh, medicine, uh, schools, education, uh, there's just, anything that interests you, believe me, there's a volunteer opportunity to, to get involved.
0: Absolutely. And I I love that framing. And one of the big things I try to talk about is just what you said is it can be anything. It can be inside the typical framework of politics and government, or it can be helping out, you know, hospitals, societies, something that you're passionate about that's super niche. So that's very powerful. I agree. When I got the confirmation for this interview, I popped onto the Civics for Life website and was greeted by such a great quote of, It is the citizens of our nation who must preserve our system of government, and we cannot forget that, by Justice O'Connor. And I just love that that's the first thing that you kind of see as you enter the digital space. Could you tell me a little bit about the Civic for Life program and kind of how that type of foundational principle just proliferates through the program?
1: That's a great question. Well, that's a beautiful quote from Justice O'Connor, and it is true. It is upon, It is we the people, the citizens that have to preserve our system of government, and we can't rely on others to take care of that. And a lot of people think, oh, you know, that's politics. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to discuss politics. It's not for me, whatever. And yet it's, you know what, if you go to the grocery store, you pay taxes. If you buy a car, you know, whatever it is, if you stop at this, if you wish there were a stoplight at a certain corner and there isn't one and you want one, there's a way to help make that happen. So it impacts us on a very granular personal level, not just at the federal level. Uh, There's every level of government. Um, But beyond that, civics for life and the genesis was uh, really the justice and if you look at our three pillars what we call our pillars they are civics education civic engagement and civil discourse and all three of those things are embodied in justice o'connor herself through her life she served in all three branches of government she was in the attorney general's office in the 1960s assistant attorney general for arizona She was later in the uh, legislative branch as a senator in the Arizona legislature and became the first woman majority leader for any legislative body in the country, another first. And then she went on to serve in the judicial branch, as we all know. And I think it really helped her or gave her a sense of how those pieces work together, necessarily, fundamentally, and importantly, to help this machine, this that we call our democracy to help the citizens. And so when Civics for Life was uh, conceived, if you will, uh, we looked at our three pillars. And at the same time, we were looking at studies that show how little civics education is taught these days. Uh, There was the Annenberg uh, Constitution Day survey last September 17, Uh, that every year they conduct this survey. And in the recent years, it's been one, only one in three Americans could name a single branch of government. Well, last September, it, it fell to one in four. Only one in four adults could name a single branch of government. This is not a good trend, and it's frightening. If one in four, three out of four Americans cannot name a single branch of government, what does that tell us about it is the citizens of our nation that have to preserve our system of government and we cannot forget that. So we, have, so we looked at the, what do we do about this knowledge gap? And even if you have civics, um, statistics show that in 13 years of school, uh, kindergarten through uh, 12, uh, most students, 85% receive only one semester of civics in 13 years. This manifests in different ways. And for some people, no longer in school, what do you do about them? And really, that's where we were looking at this knowledge gap. What if, what if you're already out of school? Where do you go? We do a democracy summer camp for seventh and eighth graders. It's a week-long camp and we take a branch of government a day at a time and do some other things. We had parents come to us saying, do you have this for adults? My child knows more than I do. And so we started doing some research and really started framing this with our board. Uh, We went into strategic planning. We onboarded some individuals from uh, the Fordham Institute Education Think Tank. Uh, We uh, brought on a civics educator who has taught high school civics for 20 years to students with learning differences so that we can break this big monolithic idea down into bite-sized pieces and create something that's digestible, that you can come and go as you please, whether you want to fill in a knowledge gap or brush up on something, you can come and go. We also have webcasts, Uh, we have some, in the pipeline is a uh, learning management system, so we'll have software that'll allow, um, even if you want to do a quiz to test your knowledge or go to the next level of learning through something we call Civics 101, Those are things in the pipeline as well.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. I know that piece of outside of school, right? That's the part that is so tough. And it's not that it's necessarily hard to learn once you know where to look. You know, I can go to pretty much any town's website and be able to parse through however they have it set up. But it takes time to understand that and what the town is supposed to do and i think this mission is so vital to get people outside of school up to speed because that quote you quoted about 85 percent only one semester and most of those people are graduated right so that's
1: yep that's it's really true. And when you look at a knowledge, if you, th- if you consider that knowledge is power or empowerment, then the more you know, the more effective you can be. And the, the branches of government aren't just in Washington, DC. They're in your local town. Your mayor is the executive. The city council is the legislative branch. And of course you have a, a city court so you have the judicial branch. So the levels of government, it's a question of the on-ramp for you. You know, if if per, perhaps you want to become more active in the world of politics or public affairs at a local level, you need to find out, well, which government, which branch is it that I'm talking about here? You know, do I want to go to the mayor for something that, you know, on a traffic ticket? You know, No. So and these are things that I think the more people know, the more they can engage intelligently and more importantly, effectively with what matters to them.
0: Very, very true. With, with this kind of laid out, what does success look like for the Civics for Life program?
1: Ah, that's a wonderful question. So what would su- success look like? Well, we would have, if you think about the impact of, of on, on the individual level. Okay, so let's just take uh, any organization. Let's take a PTO, for example, okay, at a, at a local school. So what happens if no parents are really involved? What does that look like in a school or community or that surrounding area? Well, it probably means... Those maybe those children don't have as active parents. Maybe they have less help with their homework. Maybe they are involved in fewer extracurricular activities. Conversely, what happens with a vibrant PTO where you have parents going to engage and find out what's happening at their school that they care about? Show me your homework, You know, show me your grades. How are you doing? Uh, I wanna meet your teacher. I want to know how you're doing uh, in, in various classes or courses. Uh, they meet other parents. Uh, they join a, a booster club. Their child maybe plays school sports or is in music. They go to the um, recitals or the, the games. So the thriving, the thriving uh, community begins at the local level. And when you think about the phrase, all politics is local, So it goes with civic engagement and thriving communities. So if you have these pods that and there's a hub, let's say it's a school that's your hub or whatever the case may be, it could be a a church, it could be um, a a cause, a habitat for humanity, trying to build better neighborhoods you know, whatever that is, the more people are involved, engaged, the more thriving it becomes. And there are some correlations that uh, suggest that uh, a higher voter registration and higher voter turnout is a safer, healthier community. And that seems to make some sort of logical sense, Uh, but there is some empirical data to suggest that. Um, And so when people become engaged and involved, they care about who's the mayor, they care about who's their school principal or their child's teacher. It manifests uh, on a positive level.
0: It truly does. And I know in personal experience with my old hometown, we had you know, financial stress and it was one random person who lived in town who started like creating a blog and newsletter of these are the finances this is how it breaks down and making it like digestible for everybody and then people started to realize oh this mayor's not really doing their job we should look for mm-hmm. alternatives and cuz we want to fix our taxes they're too high and this is why and like right. just having that knowledge out there and you can't get much right. more local than a small town's financial <laughs> statement
1: (laughs) that's that's true and frankly you know i've seen some small towns more civically engaged than the big metropolis areas because they they walk down they go to the grocery store they see the mayor you know they they see their council members you know on a here and there and so for them it's you know I, i i commend them because it's it's so important
0: yep I personally feel that makes a huge difference when you can humanize your leaders and the people who are making the decisions, even if it is zoning boards and commissions and just people like, Oh, you do that. Okay. What is that? And just having those little conversations.
1: That's true. And, you know, that's another example of civic engagement is, is a commission. You know, some of them are, you know, it's a cultural commission or a sports commission or whatever, but, These things, you know, how are we going to run the little league or how are we going to run sport, the parks, the parks and recreation? And those things depend on citizens who care and want to make things, want to make things better. You know, uh, knowing your elected leaders is really helpful, I have found. Uh, I remember in when I was in high school, one of my classmates, um, I, I became a with a classmate whose father was running for mayor and I couldn't vote, but I could put up yard signs and I really liked her. And so, uh, one occasion I had the opportunity to meet her dad and I said, okay, I'll help. And so we went around putting up yard signs and that was my first taste of, of an elective, of an elective campaign. But it was really fun because you're with such enthusiastic volunteers and he went on to win, uh, which was even more, I guess, um, gratifying, but win or lose. I've worked on losing campaigns too when I was young, and I, I think it's all meaningful. And I will also tell you that um, I mentioned Justice O'Connor served in the legislative branch, and she told me one time that um, she always aspired after she got out of law school, and of course she graduated you know, near the top of her class at Stanford Law. She couldn't get hired. No one would hire a woman in those days, so she volunteered to work uh, in the San Mateo city attorney's office and said, okay, I'll I'll work for free as long as I can practice law. And eventually they found something to pay her a stipend. But moving back to Arizona after her husband served uh, tour duty in uh, the military, she aspired to work in the attorney general's office. And they also were not hiring women. Now this is in the early 60s. So she heard that he was running for, the attorney general was running for re-election. So she went to one of his campaign gatherings and approached him and said, "Uh, do you need any volunteers? And he said, yes, we sure do. And she said, okay, well, I'd like to volunteer. Well, she became such a stellar volunteer, as you might imagine, and so effective that when he was re-elected, she applied and she was hired. And so sometimes volunteerism can lead you down a career path that opens a door for you because you meet people that that you know are influential if you will Mm
0: -hmm. and not only that you learn really unique skill sets like phone banking and dealing with the rejection of people not wanting to talk to you or Mm -hmm. people needing to be persuaded like why should i vote and you also learn when you have those conversations Then you go to volunteer about what are the issues that are really going on because you hear it firsthand right compared to just what right. people talk about in terms of this is the issue i want to promote from a candidate or a newspaper standpoint
1: right phone banks can be very eye-opening and it builds up I mean, you sort of get thick skin after that because you are—they hang up on you or whatever. But uh, but sometimes you you come across someone who says, "Well, tell me more about mm-hmm. that." You know, and that, those are the those are the nuggets that that are make it all worthwhile.
0: Absolutely, and you hope they come at the end of your phone banking shift so you can leave on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the Civics for Life program is part of the larger Sandra Day O'Connor Institute for American Democracy. So what is the Institute's purpose? How is it kind of different? What does it offer? Tell me a little bit about that organization as well.
1: Well, the mission of the Institute is to um, advance the legacy and lifetime work of Justice O'Connor to advance American democracy through our three pillars, civics, education, civil discourse, and civic engagement. And so what we do is we offer a multitude of pro- programs, but with Civics for Life, I have to tell you, uh, during the pandemic, we used to do town halls and forums and on issues and so on that were live. We would do things on the census. We would bring people in from Washington or Seattle or Denver, wherever they were, that we could find thought leaders or experts in a field. Well, enter the pandemic, and of course, we, like every other organization and company, had to convert everything online. And it coincided with, uh, for us, uh, the death of uh, George Floyd. And when that happened, we decided to, because we were pushing everything online, to create something what we called the Constitution Series, Equality and Justice for All, and we did uh, webcasts uh, and the first one was with uh, the Thurgood Marshall Civil Rights Center at Howard University whose executive director Justin Hansford uh, provided absolutely illuminating information on the state of civil rights and a history of it to some extent and that followed was followed by uh, Dr. Spencer Crewe of the smithsonian african-american museum for history and culture and he provided a history african-american history from the earliest days of this nation's founding to the present and so over the course of several months we had thought leaders experts uh, present these monthly webcasts um, probably a year plus and lo and behold Throughout those series, we learned and found that we had participants from all 50 states and 29 countries around the world, uh, from Australia to Uganda. I mean, it was unbelievable. And our board was so moved by this, that we said, wait a minute, this is clearly, there's there's a thirst for learning about our democracy, Our bill of rights uh, issues that matter to citizens there's a thirst and we need to address that and so once again going into strategic planning the outcome was an online platform that begins with uh, as I say our pillars but it's the application and knowledge uh, that one can uh, just log on and find what you're looking for. You'll see menus, you'll see on the navigation that there might be some areas that are more important to you than others. There are civil discourse topics, there are civic, how to become civically engaged. There is how to find your elected official if you're looking for, for that or how to register to vote or where. On the civic and, uh, civics education front, it, it's literally from you know, the Articles of Confederation and you know the earliest days to, to the present. And so, and we will be adding content continuously in webcasts and webcasts and we also have something that we're starting through Civics for Life, uh, which is called the public square. And so um, there was a great article uh, not too long ago on the Yale Law Review on uh, a digital public square, the concept of that. And we experienced that through the pandemic Through this mechanism called Zoom, and we had participants uh, through in our webcasts and Q&A audience Q&A that we saw people from all over wanting to ask this or that question, and sometimes the questions vary depending on a geographic region. But nevertheless, it created this level playing field for citizens to hear one another. Moderated, of course. But we love this notion of a digital public square. We also think that the more we communicate with one another across city state lines, uh, you know, our our issues tend to be something we have in common, generally speaking, you know, broadly speaking. Of course, there are some local issues that are more pertinent in other areas, but nevertheless, the, the opportunity to converse with one another to see one another, even if it's online through this digital public square, uh, we think has real potential for advancing civil discourse and discussion of issues. Um, and so as we uh, we have people logging on and opting in, and so we're excited to, to about that as we build that database.
0: You know, in that beautiful answer, you had two things that really popped out to me is A, what a beautiful gift out of the pandemic for your organization to find, oh, this is something that people really want and that we can touch everywhere. And I think it's really cool that a lot of the basic principles of civic engagement will work in any country, right? Mm -hmm. Be it Australia, Uganda, Mm -hmm. what have you. It's a lot of the same, maybe the ins and outs of, city council and legislative branches are different but in general it's just getting involved and showing up right it's true that is true and then the other thing that i think is so great is you had this wonderful experience with zoom for getting interaction and i think a lot of people love the ability to zoom into their town council meetings or city council mm-hmm. meetings right and they could put it on in the background while the kids are at home and learn a little bit about what's going on without having to go drive to city hall park get inside wait two or three hours to listen through everything and then head home it's a lot so i think that's another part of the digital revolution in civics
1: you know, it's interesting because as tragic and sad as the pandemic was for all of us to experience, I suppose the one silver lining, we hated being in lockdown and, but if, but Zoom, uh, it really enabled, I mean, I think it, it's a term most people know, uh, many people use. Uh, I know there's FaceTime uh, on in other platforms, but I think for engaging multiple people at one time, that there is a silver lining there and that that, you're right. It was, uh, I suppose, a gift in that regard.
0: Mm -hmm. So I know that part of the mission here and what you're doing is to break down those barriers to getting involved. Through all that you've done working with the program what barriers have you seen for adults specifically getting involved and being active participants in their communities?
1: Barriers for adults uh, to become involved. Well, I'd say one barrier is certainly, you know, the lack of understanding, you know, what is civics? You know, it isn't something that is a subject in school necessarily and completely. It is something that is a tool. It is a tool that is a gift to each of us that we can apply in our lives. And when we talk about civics, the knowledge, uh, the personal involvement, personal responsibility, jury duty is civic engagement. And certainly voting is civic engagement but it doesn't stop there. And so I would say a barrier is probably lack, a fundamental lack of knowledge of what, how, how do I apply civics in my everyday life? I also think one barrier is the polarization we're seeing uh, and the lack of civil dialogue and, and civility with one another, the, the uh, The things we see on the news today, I have never imagined uh, when I was growing up, Uh, when I was in school. I I can't imagine being a parent today of of a child in school and having to deal with the fears of a safe place for my child to become educated. Uh, This this underlying worry uh, and so, I would, I would, the in terms of the barriers of involvement, I would say it's whatever one chooses to have as I would call an excuse. Well, I'm too busy. Um, it doesn't. It's it. It doesn't really matter. Uh, I can't make a difference. Um, it's all you know politics. Uh, you know, or or it's them, or it's a they. Well, they they is us, you know, and right. and there is no they, you know. Just look around, because you're you are they, <laughs> and so I think it's that personal responsibility of, of stepping up, and we go back to um, civic engagement. And let's say there is a child, we talk about uh, what an active, uh, robust PTO might mean to the school and to the children. But think about those children that might not be uh, in the healthiest environment, that might have uh, issues, personal issues. And think about the volunteers, big brothers, big sisters. Think about those organizations that are here to help, boys and girls clubs, to help youth Uh, and and organizations that help troubled youth and fostering them. And you see anger play out in our society today, tragically and violently. And I think the prevention of that is something that can really, if you think about civic engagement at the most granular level, it's at the human level. It's at the one-on-one level that is often the most powerful. So I would say that the greatest barrier is the individual perhaps being um, apathetic.
0: I can't agree more with pretty much everything you said. And I know you, you touched on one topic of being a parent and what kids are seeing in school. And besides just the like, safety of the building itself this proliferation of technology and tools and so many millions of websites now that have news or quote-unquote news and knowing which is which and is all i think another aspect of that getting a good education and learning what you can and can't do later on
1: right yep you know, and technology is our friend, but it can also be be used for, for evil things. And we've seen that and we see these individuals do things that are so heinous and so inhumane and they live stream. And mm-hmm. you can't imagine what is going on in the mind of that individual to, to propel them. To get them to that point where they snap, and mm-hmm. again, I go back to our role as as citizens, as caring individuals, the humanity of things, and you know, just getting involved. It, there are so many areas need help, and uh, you just never know. But I think every, we can all make a difference, and it's that. It, and Justice O'Connor has pointed out that it is often the individual that can make the greatest difference. One single person.
0: Absolutely. We had a a guest on last year that said, go find something that annoys you and fix it. (laughs) That's great. No matter how big or small it is. And you (laughs) can make a difference. And I... You know i quote this story all the time but there is a woman i know whose one issue was the light bulbs in the street lamps mm. and she knew everything up down left right about these light bulbs and the power they use and how their amperage affects like your sleep patterns mm. and all this stuff mm. and advocated to try to get the town to change light bulbs and like that can be your thing like yep it makes a difference and maybe, it
1: and maybe it does and people sleep better or what have you but you know you're right that's a great quote go find something that annoys you and fix it and when you think about what motivates people you know anger can be channeled you know it doesn't mean you have to just blow up and have a fit and be done channel your anger channel your frustration uh but in a constructive way. It it can be done. And probably there are, if you're annoyed, probably one or two or more others are annoyed by the same thing. And together you can uh, put together a rational approach to problem solving.
0: Right. Uh, I like that. So has there been any really great examples that you've seen recently of civic engagement that inspires you?
1: Oh sure, I mean I I look across you know even the country. I mean look, uh, I was watching a program recently on President Jimmy Carter and his presidency, but more important, importantly his post presidency. Uh, at least for me, I you know I'm old enough to remember his presidency, and um, but when he left office, the the what he did with Habitat for Humanity and bringing that to such a important. Uh, had a significant impact in our country coast to coast this is this is what the power of the presidency but the power of one individual and just going to you know his home and, and community and starting there and it catches on and so on and so on and pretty soon you have people across america living in homes that never dreamed of having a roof over their head and so what i think that's one of the best examples i've seen but I, there are um, community individuals. My mother, my, I mentioned my brother was, um, uh, is deaf, and uh, at the age of four, almost five years old, my, my parents could not find a school in Phoenix to, that was appropriate for him to uh, become educated. And so they sent him to a boarding school for the deaf and blind, and my, par- my parents would cry. I'd hear them crying all the time. And he would come home for weekend visits from time to time and in the summers. But it just broke their heart to send their little boy away. And so my mother, um, through her volunteer work, became active and created a, joined a citizen coalition. She was at the, literally at the kitchen table with about five or six other people. And I was doing my homework in the other room and I could hear them talking and it became what today is known as the Phoenix Day School for the Deaf which is a very large campus for families and so no longer do children have to be shipped away they can stay right you know with their parents and be educated like all other children and so i look at my own mother and again she is a great example to me she's now passed but i think you know again it's that bug of you volunteer for something and you see something good happen and Um, So one or two, one individual joining others, joining forces, beautiful things can be the outcome.
0: That is absolutely beautiful. Shameless plug for the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library. I visited there a couple years ago and just learned so much about the man. He truly is remarkable with the things he did, both in office that so many people don't know about, and then all the work he did outside of it. Mm -hmm. And then that story about going from around the table to creating this entire school, it's, that's motivational. So I think that's a great place to kind of wrap up and just we have one final question we always like to leave people with something that they can do. And this time I'll make it a little bit focused on what's one program or resource a listener can use today from the civics for life program?
1: Oh, Well, I would say if you go to the drop-down menu and you see civic engagement, click on that button, and then you'll see something that says how to become civically engaged. So if you have no clue, where do I begin? How? How? You know, nobody knows me. How am I going to? You know, do that? You know, no one has to know you. You know, they will know you. But find. I, I love that. You find something that annoys you and and go fix it, you know, and, and, you know, the other way of looking at this, find something that matters to you, that you care about, because there are others who will care as well. So go to the website and look at how to become civically engaged, and you'll see a list of of different areas and things. And you think about where you live and what matters and just Google and you'll find something and just show up, you know, most 99% of life is showing up and Things, good things can happen, and, and it matters, and you matter.
0: Amen to that. Show up and fix it. I love it. Thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate the time today and sharing your story, the story of the Sandra Day O'Connor Institute for American Democracy and all the beautiful work you're doing with the Civics for Life program.
1: Thank you for all you do. It's been a privilege. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Civics Undaunted podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, can you please head on over to podchaser.com and leave a rating or review? These ratings make a big difference and really help get our podcast noticed. So it would be much appreciated if you could go on over there. Civics Undaunted is a production of the Civics Institute and it is produced and edited by Katie Kacharski please visit www.thecivicsinstitute.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.